everybody and hello humans. This is Not A Robot's DC Comic Review Show, focusing completely on future state and related comics for the duration of the event. This week we are covering the second issues of Superman Wonder Woman, Robin Eternal, Kara Zor-El Superwoman, Teen Titans, Green Lantern, and Justice League, and the third issue of Dark Detective. My name is Josh, and as always, helping me bring this podcast to you are my two awesome co-hosts, Jared. Nano Nano. And Reed. What up, homies? We summarize, analyze, and editorialize every issue we cover and strive to keep it all about the content with no publisher influence. We are on Twitter at NotArobotShow, Reed is at PGH underscore Reed, and Jared is at HoneyBadger underscore Bot. We all answer show mail sent to NotArobotPodcast at gmail.com, so send us some on in. And the next part is dedicated to those who support us with their hard-earned money, but that's not the only way that you can. Like, subscribe, download, and share our episodes as much as possible. It helps to get the word out, and that's the best kind of advertising and now is that time that we say a big huge thank you to the humans that help us support the podcast they subscribe to our patreon with tiers starting at just one dollar a month so that we can make sure we keep bringing you more and better content this is the not a robot anti-beatbot must be a human shout out and roll call and that shout out goes to our humans weird science jim blue mondays hollister torpedo face and rotch crockett a big salute to you and an even bigger thank you. So what are you waiting for? Sign up and show us you just might be a human after all and get a shout out on the Not A Robot, anti beatbot must be a human roll call. Alright guys, it is time to dive right into the comic books. Our first book is going to be the second issue of Future State Superman Wonder Woman. Written by Dan Waters with art by Leila DeLuca and Nick Filardi and Tom Napolitano on those letters. Read, how does Superwoman Wonder... Read, how does Superman Wonder Woman wrap up? No, I like that Superwoman Wonder Man. (laughs) (laughs) Now that's a book idea. Call me DC. (laughs) Well, that 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 would have to be Marvel too. (laughs) But yeah, it wouldn't be the first time there was a crossover. See, there's two like Marvel men or something like that. Anyhow, in this one, we got Superman. We got a Wonder Woman. Uh, not the ones that you are used to seeing because we're doing future state business. This one is John Kent and Yara Flor. Um, so last we saw uh, John was passed out because he got them red sun rays. Now he wakes up. He's in the Fortress of Solitude. There's alarms going off. Everything's crazy. He's he's like drunk on red sun energy or whatever. He's got a real wicked red hangover. And he stumbles no into bueno. the trophy room. Yeah, mm-hmm. he stumbles in the trophy room and he sees uh, Wonder Woman chasing a flaming headless mule uh, about. Which I mean, there's he's a superhero, so he sees wild stuff. But th- this is this is probably a new one for him. Uh, yeah, I think it was a new one for everybody. <laughs> so they got these problems. They got so Wonder Woman. She's got um, a, a, a sun god who's got his pride and he's got his dander all up. So he needs to do like a cosmic space race to make himself and feel better and stash his ego. Superman, he's got this sentient sun robot that fires like deathly laser beams specifically for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so they decide to do what any sitcom comedy duo does. Do a flipperoo. Yeah. You switch them up. Oh my so, God, it's Freaky Friday. By the way, by the way, DC, CW, <laughs> Wonder Woman, Superman, sitcom. Call me. I got spec scripts. I got them all day, baby. Listen. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, What's give me give me five minutes. Truth? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a Seinfeld one. We got them all. Uh, all <laughs> yeah. we, we're going to piggyback off of this WandaVision thing. We're going to do a whole ass thing of it. Yep. So anyhow. It'll be, be it'll be better than Berlani. Yeah. John, walk, John walks into the bar of the Fortress of Solitude. John! Like Norm off of Cheers. There you Absolutely. go. Absolutely. The whole gang's there. <laughs> Detective Chimp behind the bar. So... Yes. This one, unfortunately, we got it. We got it. So we're gonna we're gonna do the swap. Not unfortunately, we're gonna do the swap. So John is gonna do this space race. He's feeling a little down, so he's got to ride this, you know, space fiery horse. I don't know. It's a mule. It's pretty fun. So he's got to do some myth stuff. And your Flora finds, you know, uses John's laser. He's got this laser, guys. It's an organic RPG that he uses to shoot a black hole every day in his bathroom so that it keeps a tiny race of bug people from falling into the black hole. Yep. Buy, so, buy this issue just for the organic RPG launcher. Do it, because it's cool as hell. It's well worth your money, that's for sure. There's lots of fun ideas going on here. Future State has no shortage of original ideas. So, Wonder Woman. So, basically, what you got to do, the, the thing is, is we're doing this myth stuff again, where... The Solaris wants a test of strength, and Kuat, the sun god, wants a test of cleverness. So when they swap, their expectations are different. So instead of using brute strength against Solaris, Yara uses you know, her cleverness and shoots this space laser at it. And it basically makes him barf blue sun and then turns <laughs> off his anti-Superman power. He burns. He burns hotter, so when they... When a star gets closer to its death, it goes from red to blue. There you go. Yeah, so he she fed, she fed him so much that he he was going to die, so he had to go away and kind of, you know, work it off. Um, and <laughs> when that happens, like Superman was obviously cake. able. Yes, exactly. It's like it's Thanksgiving. He's too full. He has to go slink off into a, a, a galaxy far, far away to, you know, he just got, he's got some digestive stuff to take care of. It's very personal. Um <laughs> Superman wins the race because yeah, duh. And then everything's like chill. This one for me, it, it was, it was a really fun. I think it had like a, a good heart to it. This is kind of what I want to see out of these little mini arcs. It's nice. It's clean. It's quick. It starts and it ends. Um, right. And this good tidy little this, stories. Yes, and it's this. It had this mythic quality which lends with um, the new Wonder Woman and all her new pantheon. I feel like it's great. Um, this is a super solid book, 8 out of 10. Jared, what did you think about it? With John Kent, Yarl Floor, I definitely want some more. I, I love I love both iterate, new iterations of the, our, our common heroes, Superman and Wonder Woman, that we grew up with and we know so intimately, to be able to see the next generations of those that are able to wear the mantle is awesome. Couldn't agree more. The attention to detail by the writing staff is just incredible. The everyday him going to going in there to shoot the black hole gun to save planet Sir Kellen, something like that. Yeah, yeah, I've never heard of it, but you know what? That they sold me on it. You know, the fact that they're able to give so much detail for something that might not go anywhere. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I love that. I love the combo of John and Yara. Although it seems a little strained at times as they learn how to work together, I enjoy the idea of these two as a team far more than I have with their namesakes in recent years. That said, I feel as though the quality dipped a bit in this issue, illustration-wise. Nothing horrible, really, but we could have and have seen much better in this title. So, no, I'm giving this one a 7 out of 10. 
Now that's one look into the future with problems and solutions. The third Robin has some troubles ahead of him too. Will those be solved? Megan Fitzmartin brings us the next story with art from Eddie Barros, Eber Friera, and Adriano Lucas with lettering done by Pat Brazil. I'm talking about Robin Eternal Part 2. Jared, take us through it. I want to start off by saying that there are Irvin Rodriguez and Emmanuel Lupacino. Great job on the cover. Uh, EA, LucasArts, or any video game companies would be honored to be able to have that much skill and detail on their on their covers of their games because that's exactly it's exactly what it felt like to well, me. Well, quit telling them that before they leave the industry. <laughs> they put some time in those neck muscles. You guys see those neck muscles on? I know it's great. crazy, man. It's great. Really good cover. More money for them. Hey, if they're that gr- they're that good of artists, I want them to be able to work multiple facets. It starts with Tim Spoiler and Darcy trying to get Tim onto the magistrate convoy that's full of. Lazarus Pit Resin, which is still a mouthful. Having Tim make his resurrection due to Lazarus Pit Resin, because at the end of the last issue, I believe that his neck was broken. Yep. Trying not to think about how Jason reacted when he ended up being resurrected by the Lazarus Pit. And if you remember, and it's been a while now, but Jason's attitude, his personality... All went darker. Now, granted, yes, he did get beat to death with a crowbar. That would end up turning your smile upside down. <laughs> Just a little bit. Well, the resin ends up having a very unique quality. See, Tim, the man who all Batman, Batman. I don't want to forget that. Because I just reason why he's one of my favorites. But uh, he starts tripping hard balls. A bad trip. <laughs> yeah, real bad. <laughs> Everybody that's in his life ends up talking trash to him. He's talking down about him. And it's it's getting really bad. And he's feeling every negative emotion that he can. And the next panel they find out, Darcy just found out emotions are bad when it comes to being exposed to this resin because it is fatal. Too happy, I guess? Too sad? I don't know. They didn't go that much detail. That's utterly frightening. Moment of happiness afterwards after you get resurrected. I'm having my neck game broken. Oh no, now I'm bad. <laughs> That's funny. So, what are we going to do with this convoy full of Lazarus Pit resin? I'm just going to call it resin because I'm going to get winded. <laughs> Go ahead, man. <laughs> they're going to dump it. They're going to dump it into Gotham's water supply because that's what Gotham needs. You know, nothing's wrong there. Go ahead, it's fine. Nothing bad will ever come out of it. That's good God Almighty. <laughs> Guys, Gotham doesn't have enough problems as it is. Can you imagine if that stuff got soaked up by, say, Killer Croc? Nice. <laughs> I was thinking a future batch of supervillains for when this... Because if this is future state, it's, supposed, it's a possibility, correct? Right. That's what the future state... Yeah. So if this ends up going... Wait. Future supervillains? I know not to let my daughter swim in Gotham River. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> That's probably well, the, a wise decision, resin or no. All right. We we ain't going to Gotham. Don't worry. Well, as if the trip wasn't bad enough by seeing, you know, his teammates and friends there. He sees his father figure, Batman, the Bruce Wayne Batman, not the Future State Batman. Just for clarification, <laughs> just in case you picked up, just starting at Future State. Uh, 
And Peacekeeper 13 comes up and starts trash-talking Tim. Pissing off a member of the Bat family. That's been a bad idea since 1975 when that anthology series came out for three years. That was the first issue named The Bat Family. I did not know and that. And they did my homework for, my, for the, the humans out there. There you go. I know they appreciate well, it. Well, the peacekeeper, after mocking him, tries to make him a job offer, saying, "Hey, why don't you? Your skills impressive. Why don't you come work for the magistrate?" As if he didn't know that that's Tim Drake, member of the Bat Family. Yes, it's like a Princess Bride. <laughs> you killed my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> right. <laughs> What's going? Tim shows why he's one of my favorites, and he breaks through the hallucination and realizes that the Batman, the person that he's seeing as Batman, is not Batman. In that, in the the panels that he's in now, throughout prior, it was just a straight up hallucination. Now he's seeing his hallucination on somebody, and that somebody was Peacekeeper Thirteen. And Tim is the man. He buckle up, knuckle ups, and knocks Thirteen out cold. Love it. The art is constant. I enjoyed it. I want more. Tim Drake is by far my favorite Robin. I give this 8.5 Peacekeeper knockouts out of 10. Reed, where were you at with it? Um, I had a decent time with this book. I'm not the biggest, you know, Robin fan. I kind of get them all confused, to be perfectly honest. Oh, um, <laughs> so offended. So yeah, offended. but this was pretty fun. I, I like the idea of Robin Eternal. That that idea kind of got me excited. The idea of like, what if now that like Robin has he's come back to life? He's got he's had that goo in it, and it kind of looks like at the end of this book that he's dying again. I wonder if he's just gonna keep dying and coming back to life because of this Lazarus goo. I don't know if that's the direction they're taking, but I think that would be you know pretty fun. But um, I'd be down with it. The, that's like yeah, Kenny mixed with the Immortal Man. See, there you go. <laughs> oh my God, you killed Robin <laughs> yeah. all the time, again and again. I mean, everybody. Look, that's that's such a tropey plot point at this at this point. You know, they killed Robin. Just why don't we just make it into the characters? Perfect. It's easy. But this iteration, um, it kind of dragged for me a little bit in the middle. I like the concept. I like the you know the costume and the the character design. But this one, this one just didn't really sing for me. Um, I, I'm gonna give this one a, a six point seven five out of ten. All right. Now, um, like Jared, I'm a Tim Drake fan, too. For the longest time, he was my pick for a Robin to wear the cowl. In Future State, that's not the case. None of the Robins do, but that's okay. It's a totally different title. I think we got some really good Tim Drake here. Handled better as a character than he has been over the course of the last year, or dare I say for darn near a decade. I wish there was a conclusion to the story rather than just a cliffhanger, and I would buy additional issues to find out the rest of this story. That said, I don't think that's happening, and to end it without a real conclusion bumps me out, so I can only give this one a 7.5 out of 10. Like in Robin Eternal, the next title left us with a bit of a cliffhanger. Hopefully this one will come to a satisfying conclusion, right? With a cover from Paulina Ganesho and Marguerite Bennett writing with Marguerite Sauvage on art, and Wes Abbas bringing us that lettering, let's fly up, up, and away to the moon with Future State Kara Zor-El's Superwoman number 2. We start up right where we left off in issue number one with Lenari and Superwoman against Lenari's people, there to take the Starfall jewel away from her. 
Her family holds deep grudges against Lenari because her father killed himself to save her, and they blame her for that. After Lenari's family pushes and pushes, Superwoman can't take any more. She unleashes her anger, and, the, and then they release Lenari. And then they release Lenari. Lenari, however, doesn't want to just pause the fight. She wants to finish it. She takes Superwoman's powers from her because she doesn't want Superwoman to fall into the anger she worked so hard to overcome. So Lenari takes the stolen powers and uses them to burn up the Starfall Jewel, fighting her aunt. In the end, her aunt falls, and they learn to live together in search of harmony and peace. Superwoman eventually dies, and it's her lessons, not her mantle, that carries on her legacy. This story really hit all the right notes for Kara for me, as far as a Kara story goes. That said, while the last issue was incredibly stunning, I really loved it. This one, by the same artist, it just seems like a little bit of a lesser quality. Uh, so much so that the little bit of action that we got was hard to follow in certain areas. And because of this, it was a little, not sloppy, but maybe rushed in some places. I still enjoyed it, but if the final product would have been the same quality as the last book, this score would have been a lot higher. This one was in my top three the last time I reviewed it. That's not the case this time. I'm giving it a 6.5 out of 10. Reed, did you like this one? Yeah, you know what? I, I, re I enjoyed this one quite a bit. Um, I, I'll agree with you that the art um, isn't quite with it in the first half of this book. And I, I feel as though that that might just be down to an artist's preference because the second half of this story it looks great i mean there's all these people there's all this lush vegetation it's very colorful and bold it just seems like the fight scenes and the action are where this um the art kind of struggles um but th that being said i enjoy this story i like <laughs> i mean i like the idea of these space eels having like a blood feud all right over a, a magic MacGuffin. Um, I, I don't really understand the rules of all that, but I mean, I'm into it. Um, I thought the ending was very nice and it sent like a really cool message. Yeah. I, I like this world. I like this moon based world of uh, Kara Zorel, and I for sure love her uh, design. Her character design in this is off the charts. Um, this is a nice, real I relaxing like read. Yeah. It, it's really just like kind of a gentle, relaxing, like, uh, a kind of walk through of this nice story and i think in the future if they get a chance to flesh this out the strength of it will lie in where the artist and you know kind of where the story is focused it is and it's on those interpersonal relationships and yeah. that kind of world building as opposed to action scenes yeah definitely definitely well i know jared i know that you didn't like the last one how did you feel about superwoman number two well, I want to start with saying I'm a Kara Zor-El fan. Mm -hmm. But DC has been doing her dirty for a while now. And in Future State, they put her on the freaking moon. Hey, you don't get to be involved in anything we're doing here. Bye-bye. Uh, <laughs> rushed? Yes, rushed. It felt like you're... You know, you wait till the Friday before a term paper's due to turn it in when the teacher gave you the full semester to get it done. And that doesn't end up going well. Uh, the, the, the ink, I, I don't know. But if, it's pastel. It feels eastery. I, I know I'm a target of graphic, and I'm sure, that, I'm sure that they enjoy it. But 
I mean, I like oh, the God. art style. I just feel like it slouched a bit this time. You know, I mean, I get it. You don't like the lighter pastel colors and whatnot. And it's just not for you, and that's justifiable. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. It's, you know, I, I, I feel like it's it's even lesser than it was last time. I, I liked last time. It's just a little bit less because of those action scenes for me. Yeah, it's like when you take the test. It's when it t t tells you how good you are at learning the material. The action scenes are tells you how good you actually are at being the artist because you got to make it look great while they're doing something. And that's three. It's failure to do that. It's the reason why I can only give this 5.75 Daughters of Zorrells out of 10. Well, that's fair. None of us knew what to expect with the comic moving Superwoman to the moon. It was a bit of a mystery. The premise of the next title was a bit of a mystery as well. Written by Tim Sheridan with art by Rafa Sandoval, Julio Ferreira, and Alejandro Sanchez, and letters from Rob Lee with the cover from Sandoval and Sanchez. Read What's Up in Teen Titans. Uh, well, okay. So a lot of different um, story arcs have kind of referenced this big disaster that took place on Titans Island that kind of forever changed, you know, the way that particular multi, you know, that universe worked right um which is a pretty big we, universe yeah there's lots there's lots going on here and um we get a kind of a little peek behind the curtain we don't get all the answers but we get kind of some of what's going on and it has to do with a modified h dial a, a strange device that calls on the power of something called the hero verse to kind of give powers and there's all different kind of codes you can type in I, if you've never heard of this do do quick google about the h dial it's pretty fun and a, a kind of a wacky concept um so anyhow the teen titans or I, don't, I don't know if they're teen titans but the titans in the tower they're they're doing a seance you know as you do and they've modified the h dial to try to contact dead you know the folks that they know it doesn't go as planned because instead of contacting their friends they accidentally kind of oops and oops and may have started the apocalypse and released their four riders yeah. Um, so, by the way, like I, re I recognize Wally we knew was going to be famine. We, re we remember that from a previous comic. We know that that other one is Ares, um, the god of war. He's one of them. Yep. Unfortunately, our boy Roundhouse made it to being one of yes. the four horsemen. I, can't, I don't have the slightest idea who the last dude is, but I guess it doesn't really matter. You know, so yeah, Roundhouse. I'm guessing is pestilence yeah. because they said uh, uh, he does a he does a barf. I guess. I, I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> and then some weird morph creature is death. I don't. I don't know. I thought you guys might know what that thing was. Nope. I yeah. I I tried and tried to figure it out. And I have no idea. Well, hey, out there, hit us up if you know what that crazy creature was. Um, yeah, so eventually uh, they kind of have – we do a couple of flashbacks. You see all these Titans are dead, and, and Dick uh, is very upset, and he's starting to morph into his new alter ego, uh, Deathwing, or <laughs> Dickster, which is, you know, Beast Boy's uh, contribution, which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, I uh, – yeah, <laughs> that was pretty cool, Dickstroke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they they didn't say they didn't say the whole thing. No, they, 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 they didn't they say did. the whole thing in there, but we know what it meant. Uh -huh. <laughs> you already know we know yeah. what you guys are going for, and we love it's it. Thank inferred. Yes, thank you, Side Beast. You you are beautiful and amazing. Um, <laughs> so anyhow, it's the end of the world. So obviously, the only thing there is to do is have one last final gambit, and they're trying to lure the riders into the same place, and then 
then I guess the plan was also to have them morph into their mighty Morphin style where they all fuse into one one big beast i don't know I, I maybe i don't know all the lore about the riders the four horsemen of the apocalypse but a they normally have like a, a horse or a mount and i guess they they smush together now so anyhow they smush together and then this is all part of the plan and raven sucks them up into her own bot and then shazam takes her to the rock of eternity which then he talks about how he'll have to defend for all time because the riders. So this is that big dark secret thing that is in the Rock of Eternity that in the Shazam comic makes him split into two people to tie Billy to the gates or whatever. So that's pretty cool. I, I, I dig that. Um, I think it was a kind of satisfying conclusion to like this weird narrative of the first two stories so far. Um, I like that they interacted with another future state title. I thought that was actually pretty fun. But I would have liked these events to kind of play out in real time and not be in this weird teaser kind of thing that we've got going on with Future State. Yeah. Um, I, I think the character design is really cool. Deathwing is cool. And I know I might be alone in this one, but I think Side Beast is, is pretty dope. Um, I don't have a problem with Side Beast. I mean, I don't know why they did it, but it's interesting to me. It would be interesting to see more. Like, what led to it and oh, and some yeah. more character development with it. I wish they would have I like cuz they they're just dropping these ideas on us without having earned them. Yeah. Because right it, now they're like is this idea cool and like okay side beast. Yeah, I like that. That's cool. How did he get like that? They're like right, we're working on it. Yeah, Don't we'll, sweat it. Without it fleshed out it feels a little too Teen Titans go for me. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah. but I mean so that doesn't mean that it's necessarily a bad thing though. It, it could just cuz it's a cartoony idea. It's only a cartoony idea cuz we haven't seen it fleshed out yet. It could be a hell of a story. Hopefully yeah. hopefully and, we'll get to see it. Actually, and maybe, we will. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Well, that's kind of exciting. Um this one didn't really get me there. Um, it, I was kind of confused. There's a lot of kind of stuff going on that I, I was having a hard time tracking. Um, it just didn't grab me. It didn't pull me in all that much. But um, this one's this is solid. I've given this one a um, 6.75 out of 10. 6.75 out of 10. Mm-hmm. All right. Jared, what did you think? I am utterly disappointed <laughs> that I did not think of – I thought of Dick Wing, <laughs> but not – Dick I, yeah, you know what? I mean, That's I thought the, the same thing. Contra- <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't put. I don't. Oh, That's why they're I'm making the big bucks, boys. That's why they're making the big. Bucks. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? That's the one contribution from from Future State that Cybeast has done. For me. <laughs> and you know what? You know damn well that was not Cyborg. Vic had nothing to do with that. That was a hundred percent Beast Boy. That's okay. <laughs> I like I both of them. I like. I like that they have two different uh, speech bubbles. I think that's neat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, they still access both the things, but they don't get to be fully involved. I guess that's the way, I, way to use both characters and, you know, keep licensing or something. I have no idea. It's not it's not working for me, DC, but uh, two out of three humans on the show say uh, <laughs> that they're for it. The, the art's a definite win. Uh, mm-hmm. Great play back and forth. And you get to see motherfucking Raven. Hardcore. Yeah. Yes. She's going for it. Dude, my inner nerd it was like a giddy little schoolgirl when I see her on the page. A badass. Badass. And uh what's it called? The H dial? The immediately I when 
And they said that I started thinking of Doll H for Hero. And I remember the Plastic Man where the little thing used to make make you into a duplicate of Plastic Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's that's back in 1966, January 96 in uh, House of Mystery 156 when it debuted. Uh, yeah, the 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 hero I, dial has been around for quite some time. It doesn't it doesn't usually uh stick around very long, but it's since Bendis's Wonder Comics imprint started and they had the uh the the, the Dial H for Hero series there. It's been popping up in more and more, and I, I love those characters. So I'm glad to see that they got brought back. There you go, Bendis. I gave Rob- you a compliment. I can't. I'm going to give the compliment to Robert Reed. Uh, <laughs> he's the person. He's the person that came up with it in '66. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> so I'm going to have to give this fabulous, fabulous cover to cover amazing story. 8.25 dick strokes out of 10. <laughs> All right. There well, is. there it is. <laughs> well, Red X is still a mystery, and I'm actually a fan of that. It will be very, very cool to read about how they all got to this point in the upcoming Teen Titans Academy title that we have coming in March. Oh, it's just next month we get to start reading about all of this, man. So that I am totally stoked for. And like Reed, I am a huge fan of heroes learning and getting together and all of the hijinks that ensue from that. It's great character development. They usually have good stories, man. You know, and I'm hoping we get um, not quite as dramatic as the X-Men. I hope DC gets, you know, their own little spin on it. Maybe even, you know, I can't believe I'm saying this, but a little lighter than... Marvel in that regard. Let's go lighter, not lighter than Marvel. <laughs> I enjoyed the story. The art was amazing. The characters and everything that happened in these pages, I feel like it went by a little too fast. This story need another issue to flesh it out and make it feel whole to tell this story. But other than that, I had a great time, and I know that it's going to get all fleshed out in the comics leading up to it. So I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10. And that's it for the single stories this week, but when we come back, we will dive into Green Lantern, Justice League, and Dark Detective, all featuring backup stories. Right after this break. And we're back. Thanks for sticking with Not a Robot. Getting right back to those comic books, we're jumping into the first of three multi-part issues with a cover drawn by Clayton Henry and Marcelo Mialo. Next up is Future State Green Lantern number two. The first story is Last Lanterns, the second part of Jon Stewart's journey through Future State with Jeffrey Thorne as the writer, Tom Rainey and Mike Taya on art, and letters from And World Design. Jared, what happens with John? Well... I want to, I want to start, of course, with the cover. Uh, I love the cover, but they they lost the easy bonus. Well, I don't know if it's easy because I I'm not obviously an artist, but the, the bonus points of like Green Lanterns names being on the tombs, different Green Lanterns because uh, on, on the gravestones. Sorry. Uh, right. I I knew what you're saying. A little more detail, but I I think. I think it would sell more. Like, even if you don't do all of them, you know, have it be like written like Charlie Brown's teacher in the background. But you know, see, see some of the, the the popular ones up front. Yeah, we're just you're just facing the wrong way. The names are on the other side. There you go. There you go. <laughs> that that explains it. That explains it. Damn you, reading your logic. <laughs> 
Well, we get status checks uh, for excuses to be able to get the dialogue to go on for some reason, but the main reason is to be able to showcase some of the art, and you know what? I I, I didn't mind. It, it, they could have left the, the pages blank, and I would have been, all right, he did a thumbs up. That's good. Look at the, look at the art. <laughs> yeah, I, I loved it. Uh, you get to see who's not with us anymore. Uh, Nort and Salik. Uh, Nort being a Green Lantern, uh, a Dark Star, a member of the Justice League, Antarctica. Yeah, he's he's uh, been around Salik. quite a bit. Justice yeah, League Antarctica? Justice League Antarctica. That's goofy as hell, but yeah, it exists. He first appeared in Justice League International number 10 back in February of 88. Hmm. Uh, Salak. Salak, right? Salak, yeah. Well, Salak was the forearm Green Lantern. Uh, props for the throwbacks. He's from the, the Green Lantern number 149 way back in February of 1982. That was when he debuted. So I love the fact that you know they bring in some some people that has some some history with with the people that that still be reading the comic. They remember when he debuted, or remember you know the after he's been introduced a couple of times, they remember him. So I. I liked it. Uh, people are fleeing to an arc. Now, uh, maybe Reed or Josh will be able to help me with the guy that's the fan of the God in Red. I can't remember what his name is. The leader? Uh, yeah, I don't think he has a name. I think they're just like the vanguard. Like so. a... All right, well, I'm glad because I was like, what the hell? He's, wear <laughs> he's wearing that other robot lantern as armor, which is pretty messed up. Yeah. RD99 or something like that. Yeah, yep. Well, I wanted to say gorgeous art in the fight. This is how fight artwork is supposed to be. This this is great, great action. Lots of action. Lots of representation of the, the progress of the story. You see some development. And I don't really, I didn't really care particularly for the story. Just because it didn't really seem like it has any consequences, and I don't foresee, I, well, I didn't foresee at the time, this being able to continue. Uh, the fight scenes are great to look at, though. John points out that it's him that made him a lantern, not the ring. The ring's a tool. Right. Which I've been saying that. For a long time. I've been saying that, except, except for Guy Gardner. Because he is the tool. Not the tool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and not not the good kind. Yeah. <laughs> uh Mother Box booms, strike team goes where John is. Uh he's being held in some kind of stasis field, dipping some carbonite. <laughs> you know if if you just have him in a stasis field, you know something's someone's gonna let him go because well it's something that's easily disruptible. You throw an EMP or whatever, bippity boppity boo. Well, John's in the stasis field, and then I see a panel where the bad guy, or, you know, the guy who's got a hard on for the god in red, looks like he just dropped his shit in his damn drawers because, oh, good God, it's Orion. <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> and I mean, don't get me wrong. If you're a bad guy and Orion shows up, that's the response dude, they have. Dude, future state Orion looks badass. He looks crazy, yeah, for sure. Got flaming shoulder pauldrons. Good look. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of like a Havoc. A bit, yeah. I get, I can get that. It was, um, 
I didn't see it when I was looking at it, but yeah, Havoc inspired for sure. It's definitely just cool seeing him upgraded without his helmet. (laughs) Yeah, I loved it. Well, Orion shows up, and if whoever the hell you are, good, bad, or indifferent, man, metahuman, whatever, if Orion's talking, you're listening. Uh, Yes, sir. At least if you're smart. If not, you're toast. Well, he gives testimony, hey, you need to listen to Jon Stewart. And, oh, oh, okay. All right, dude, what's up? (laughs) You tell me what's going on. John picks up this glove, and the first thing I think of is a Nintendo Power Glove from the 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 1980s from, like, was it that The Wizard? The Wizard, You know, tried to promote. Fred Savage. From the old original NES. Yeah, I I just visited my local comic book shop, and they actually had the full Nintendo Power Glove package for sale, man. All of the accessories and everything. I don't have a Nintendo to play on, but I still wanted to buy it. That was so cool. It's a solid buy. Solid buy. Hey, off air, give me the information, dude. I got a Nintendo. (laughs) (laughs) Serious. Well, he puts on the Power Glove, and he gets the Sword of Orion. All right, now, I ain't arguing. Jon Stewart, physically, one hell of a badass. United States Marine, Green Lantern, badass. He's If it comes down to, you know, natural ability against natural ability, he, he's going to win, at least against his own species. You know, he ain't, he ain't up there on dark side level or nothing. But I, I'd love to read, like, a huge black, uh, black label version uh, it's kind of blah for the story on the most part, but the dropping in of Orion and the art for every single page, I, 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 I'd read it again. If you're going to go full on, like, you know, a little six-piece or anything like that for a black label, I'd like to see a little bit more threshed out with the story, but build on that sort of Orion. Don't erase what happened. Just make, let some... Huge leaps and progression happen. Read what were your thoughts on Last Lanterns? Um, I thought it was pretty cool. I like the depowered lantern of it all. I think this is, it's an interesting arc um, where all the lanterns are concerned. I don't know. There seems to be like a lot of stuff that happened all at once at the very end. This is another thing. I mean, it's just too squished together. There's lots of cool ideas, but none of them really get enough time to breathe. I mean, there's like a very small race of creatures who live on his belt who can also get big that they have a mother box but they're like kind of building it and it's in a weird capsule on his belt i think there's there's lots of ideas here um and not a lot of them not a lot of time to flesh any of it out lots of slicing some dice and some cool purple monsters uh but it's just it was just kind of there for me all right though i'm still not a fan of like ground level guerrilla style military comics it they're just there's so much that has to go on and reading it in a comic book is just not the right kind of medium for me. But this one was so much better than the last one. Last time I didn't feel like anything happened. This one was nothing but nonstop action. Though this is not my style of art. The issue as the issue progressed, I got used to it. It's not my favorite story this week. But again, it was a big improvement over the last installment. And, of course, a guest spot from Orion definitely helps this one. The bad guy's got too much blood. Too much blood. (laughs) The next story we're looking at is a one-shot from Teen Lantern. 
a character invented by Brian Michael Bendis during his Young Justice run and one of the more popular characters in my opinion. Titled Dead Space with Josie Campbell writing and art from Andy Tong and Will Quintana and Dave Sharp on letters. Reed, can you take us through what happens? Absolutely. So uh, the Green Lanterns have picked up Teen Lantern. They abducted her to space because she's got this gauntlet. They can't get it off her. No one really knows what it is. So they're like, okay, provisionally, we got we have to do something with you, but we're not quite sure what. Go chill on this living ass planet and, until we figure it out. Mogo. So, <laughs> yeah. So they hook him right. up with Mogo. They put him on a, on his on his boy, and they kind of send them on a mission. And they have to go through this area of dead space where nothing lives. He says, "There's nothing out here, so there's nothing to be worried about." Don't worry. That statement isn't leading anywhere at all. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's so, never seen about- a movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she asks if this is kind of like a Bermuda, this dead zone is kind of like a Bermuda Triangle thing, just as the lantern battery disconnects, whatever great catastrophe happens, it happens while they're in this dead space, and um, Mogo can't move anymore, and he basically goes dark, and Teen Lantern is all alone, just as some sort of weird space creature crash lands on the planet. Um. Towards the very end, you know, the uh, planet is able to tap into her gauntlet to provide a little bit of energy, and she decides that she's not going to be afraid anymore because she wants to be a real lantern, etc., etc., and it's inspirational, and then it's just over. They're still in space, I guess. Yeah, not much of a conclusion in this one. Yikes. It's fun. It <laughs> looks great. I mm-hmm. I mean, it's a great concept. It's It, it seems very interesting. I like the team-up of a kid with a robo glove and a planet uh, but yeah it's just um just kind of there a little bit of filler for you yep. well done filler but filler nonetheless agreed teen lander trapped in space on green lantern mogo i mean at least she's got some good company right i really like this character uh is that my second compliment to bendis this episode this is feeling weird all right um i do hope that we get to see more of her and either what led up to this what happens after or preferably both don't ignore the kid dc i liked the art a whole bunch it was cool and i really wish there was more story but for the one shot that we got this was a fun read jared dead space what did you think well i liked it it's it's, it's fun it doesn't take itself too seriously uh it's not completely silly though i love seeing mogo that's nostalgia uh it's got huge potential for showing the kids can be heroes too. So I kind of like the implied thing. Uh, three words, just DC potential. Just keep bend his hands off. <laughs> Thanks for creating. Now leave it the fuck alone. All right, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, <laughs> but I, I liked it. You know, it was light, fluffy. It was, it was just a fun read. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I think Teen Lantern is in good, capable hands with Josie Campbell. And now on to the last story of this issue. You simply cannot have a Green Lantern book without Hal Jordan making sure he shows up. Unfortunately, Kyle Rayner doesn't show up in Future State, and he's in my top two lanterns. Recon, the story we're covering, is written by Robert Venditti with art from Dexter Soy and Alex Sinclair, and those are all three some of my favorite creators. Steve Wands did the lettering. Typical Hal Jordan doing what he must, that's what we get here in the last story of Future State Green Lantern. His mission, to find the rest of the Green Lantern Corps. He flies into space with the hope of finding anyone at all, but it doesn't look good. 
He flies by some members of the Sinestro Corps, breaking their noses as he does. He passes by Warworld, nearly being distracted by the thought of destroying it again, and he finally arrives on Oa, exiting his craft. The place is completely decimated, and the lantern battery is tumbled into the ground. Joe Moline, the Green Lantern from the Far Sector book, which you should read if you get a chance, is there, and she's grabbing up Hell by the collar, and she wants to know where he was when the Corps needed him. It says, continued in Green Lantern 2021, so we will get to see how this story plays out. That is great news, because I am sorely disappointed that we didn't get any Kyle Rayner, and also that we didn't get more of Jessica Cruz, so at least we'll get more of this story. The art is phenomenal, as it always is from Dexter Soy, and the story was a lot of fun too, as good hell stories tend to be. My final score on the whole issue is going to be a 7.5 out of 10. Jared and Reed, what are your overall thoughts on this last story and the book as a whole? Well, uh, on, on this book, on this particular story, I agree with you, Josh. It needs to take the recipe. He had, he had a lot, lot more Kyle, you know, a handful of Jess he had in there. Keep the excitement continuing. I, I love Hale playing the savior role. Kyle plays the heart role because he is. Uh, he he's this. I love Hale Jordan, but Kyle Rayner is this essential or existential Green Lantern. Uh, Jessica Cruz, the badass of the Ring Slingers. I'm just saying, uh, if if I was to ever piss off. The, the Green Lantern Corps, she, I, I'm hoping they don't send her on me. Not anymore. <laughs> That's it. No, let's let's get let's get a real continuation going. Please don't drop the ball. Don't let us down. Overall, the entire thing, I'm gonna give it seven point five. Uh, Green Lantern rings out of ten. Uh, and the first book with John, art was great, story lacked, and then. Story was okay, it had potential. Art, art was right along there, and then with Hale, the recon story, I'm have to say they did they did an excellent job on both. It, it, I'm glad this one continues. I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm already wanting to stay in line to be able to get to get my next copy. Yes, certainly the the quality is there on this one. Um, all of the stories seem to have a, a little a little bit more love and dedication. Kind of, not maybe not dedication is the right word, but some some real love and and time. Um, where some of the other books seem a little bit rushed in places. All, all three stories. I mean, the first book the art is a little uh, distinctive, um, but in the second two stories, it's just phenomenal. It's just some knockout looking stuff. I love the design of the third. Um, story with how jordan um and I, I like that the quick view all he's like flying through all the different areas i thought that was pretty neat as well uh overall this this was a pretty good book for me um i think a little we spent a little bit too much time with john stewart i like that world i like that i like their kind of battle stuff but i think they didn't have enough to do in this this last one um but i enjoyed it overall this whole overall i'm going to give the whole thing uh 7.25 all right, well, things don't look good for our lanterns in any sense of the word, but they have always been very capable hands. Speaking of capable, the Justice League is who the world turns to when one hero isn't enough. In Future State Justice League number two, with a cover from Dan Mora, we get the conclusion to Future State Justice League, and the same for Justice League Dark. Written by Joshua Williamson, with art from Robson Roca, Daniel Enriquez, and Romulo Fiardo Jr., 
and letters from Tom Napolitano, let's see what happens in future State Justice League number two. Before I go into the book, I really have to mention how beautiful I thought this cover was. The design is really simple, so to speak, energy bursting from our heroes, but it was done masterfully. Now let's turn the page. Picking up without missing a beat, the Hyper Clan, the villains from the last issue, are still masquerading as our new Justice League members. We're showing them actually being heroes, showing up on late shows, and Batman even rescues a kitten from a tree, which gave me a little laugh. They've completely pulled the wool over everyone's eyes. Most of the Hyper Clan are happy leaving things as they are. They aren't hunted. They have all they want. They're famous, and everyone loves them. Everybody is happy, except Protex, their leader. He wants true revenge on the Justice League. The Justice League, the real one, has been transported to the hellish prison that the Hyperclan were banished to by the original Justice League. It doesn't take them too long to figure out how to get home. The Flash can feel the Earth's vibrations, every Earth, so he can feel his way home. And apparently he's got a whole lot of speed because he's able to share his speed with the rest of the team and bring them with him. Not before they all get into an argument about not knowing who each other are, though. Uh... They're, they could very possibly be a white Martian. So, of course, after some team building via argument, they are back. Just in time, too, as the Hyper Clan was about to use some sort of mind ray device to revert humans to primitive beings so that they would look up to the Martians as gods. Using what they learned about each other before, they can keep track of who's who now. The good guys win and they decide to do away with the rules left for them. Instead, it's time to pave the way for new rules and new members. I will keep reading this one for sure. I had fun with it, though I wanted more. There was enough here for a two-issue story. Will we see more? I hope so. This art is beautiful, and the story is great. Read what did you think about this one? Yeah, I think the, the art is really cool. The story really chugged along. Um, you got White Martians. You've got some is it you is it me who's the bad guy here stuff is always fun fun little antics the the action is great the design of the heroes is good the team composition i really like and the teaser at the end with uh who we're gonna put on our justice league i thought was really fun for sure um, I, I this was this was kind of what you want out of a you know a future state little mini series thing like this and it was like the best of them it was nice and concise uh and to the point it was cool good visuals neat story Indeed. Jared, where did you fall? Well, I disagree with Reed in one aspect. It's not exactly what we needed. I need at least, oh, I don't know, four to ten more issues. <laughs> great art. Great story. <laughs> great God Almighty. Let's see this. Let's. Uh, I want more. I just, gimme, 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 gimme. Uh, I want the story to continue where... The Hyper Clan stays being good guys and don't end up reverting back ever. That would be something, wouldn't Have it? Have that be a potential. You know? And then when the next big crisis ends up happening, which, dear God, DC, let it be a ways away from Let's say about five years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That tends to be the case. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's like an election. It comes by at certain intervals, either five or seven. I want to. I want to see this develop. I want to read more. Uh, easy, positive notes to end on. Potential, potential, potential. All right, jumping from that crazy story into the next one, written by Ram V, who is quickly becoming one of my favorite creators. 
With art from Marcio Takara and Marcelo Mialo, and letters from Rob Lee, we have retaken us through the finale of Future State Justice League Dark. Yeah, so we've got this uh, a, a magic blasted kind of landscape. Um, Justice League Dark, it's at it again. The, everything's topsy-turvy, as, as you do. We start with a little walkthrough from Dr. Fate about how he got the mask, the, the helmet fixed, and kind of what that cost him. Uh, we get a really int- a really cool scene um, where Dr. Fate comes to Etrigan and tells him that Jason Blood is dead, so his he's been holding back for nothing. He really needs to kind of get in the fight. Um, the the internal struggle between uh, Detective Chimp and Etrigan is really great and I think done expertly. And we get a mm-hmm. bunch of beautiful splash pages here. We've got a Ragman dragon, and we got a Zatanna. There's there's lots of action. The, the colors are bold. The the scenes are really lush. Uh, we get an armored enchantress. We get to see that, and then we get to see Etrigan just really put a put a whole whooping on her. So <laughs> that was pretty fun. <laughs> um, and then at the end, it turns out Jason Blood's alive, but he's allied with Merlin. And it was we, we we're doing a thing where I didn't Dr. see that Fate, coming at all. Yeah, we're no. we're in this moment where he had to like do the thing, and this is the one he looked at all the possible futures, and they this isn't one of the ones where they win. But I think that's kind of a misdirect. He's I think he's working behind the scenes here. Um, will we find out? Who knows? I don't know. Uh, but it's it's very satisfying. I do. That, yeah, it's um. It's a neat, it's a neat Justice League dark story. I'll say that. I think this is a a fun Justice League dark story, but I don't see the future state of it all. These are all just kind of, I mean, they're a little bit different. Uh, they grown up some, but I I just don't. This one doesn't feel all that much different. It's a cool story, and I loved it, but some of the other takes on the the source material are are much farther afield than this. I mean, because I get Merlin took over and basically the world is run by Merlin now, and that's kind of future statey. But it's not like everyone kind of is just still them. I mean, Detective Chimp and Etrigan, okay, but I, I don't know. Um, I I was hoping for a little bit more out of this, but as just a standalone Justice League dark story, I think it's great. Yeah, I get what you're saying. It, it, there's nothing distinctive that shows that this is really in the future. This could be a Justice League Dark story happening at any time. Yeah, give me old man's like old man Constantine and like old ladies Atana or something. Give me something weird right. like oh, that. Oh, you you know Constantine ain't gonna survive to be an old man. <laughs> you read his comic for long. Oh God, he's going to die. Infinite. Some there's later. infinite futures in this one. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> the Break, the multiverse is open. Breaking into the infinite <laughs> frontier. But before we dive into that in March, Jared, where did you fall on this story? Uh, I enjoyed the hell out of it, but I always enjoy Justice League Dark. The art, the story, the flow, the conversation, the, the interaction between. Uh, character outstanding. I know it seems like I've been bragging on Future State this year, but they, they I, I believe that majority of the art was phenomenal, and it is quite easily if this was a standalone comic and it wasn't part of the the five ninety nine group, uh, it was all by itself. It it would been nine point five off. It, it was it was phenomenal. It was damn near perfect to me. I. I love Justice League Dark. The only thing missing 
would be like it'd be great if it did have a, like an older man Constantine or made Something some or have young Constantine and have him explain away just one panel that no I did this deal with demon you know Baraducci and uh, <laughs> and you know now I, now I look like this. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, I'm going to have to go with both of you guys. I guess I wasn't really paying attention to it because I was sucked into the story so much. But if I had to say there was really one thing that I would like to see in this, it would be that something that dates the story. But uh, from what I understand, this timeline, the story that we're reading now could be woven into a story that leads up to this and that sounds absolutely amazing sign me up for more i can't think of anything more positive to say that you guys already haven't said just like the last issue i love the art and i mean i love the art the art is spectacular and the story i think is even better the characters are done amazing as usual from ram v this one is simply incredible uh for the whole book I'm going to have to give it an, I'm going to, Justice League was a little bit less than the Justice League Dark for me, so I'm going to average this one out and give it an 8.5 out of 10. How did the issue fare with the two of you? Yeah, I think I'm right there with you. I think this one is about an 8 out of 10 for me. I really like the Justice League Dark stuff, but the other regular Justice League was cool to see those guys, but it it wasn't really... uh, it was it's just fun. It was it was just fun for me. Yeah. And Jared. Well, I I found this is well worth the five ninety nine. To me, uh, to me, honestly, I would have paid seven ninety nine for it. the just on the Justice League alone. The the Hyper Clan that's provocative. It, it has so much un- endless potential. Uh, like if I was a broken down that you know. That wasn't as good as the Justice League Dark because the Justice League Dark I found great. It was amazing. Like it, it, if someone was to to read, you know, hey, I don't, you know, don't know what comic to read. This one, this is this is definitely one. Uh, I had to to combine the two. When I combined the two, I got them a nine. Uh, that's what's nine. Ah, oh, Batman, kinda saving a kitten out of a tree. <laughs> Because that was the hyper clan yeah. Batman. Uh, th- I got a kick that out of that part. part. <laughs> I said it earlier. That part gave me a chuckle too. Man, I, I really like that last book. The whole thing. I hope the final issue we're about to cover is just as good. With yet another awesome cover from Dan Mora. Let's look at Dark Detective number 3. Housing two stories inside. Dark Detective and Grifters. Dark Detective was written by... Mariko Tamaki with art from Dan Mora and Jordi Belair with Abidikar on letters. Part three goes just like this. It's the kind of story that I want to read about Bruce Wayne. I'm going to say that one more time. This is the kind of story I want to read about Bruce Wayne. It's slow, it's gritty, it's detailed. It is a peak, a stare into his mind with nonstop but not overdone narrative. And that is really, really hard to pull off, but it's done so well here. Every single moment pulled me in. Bruce is tracking the nanobots that he discovered in the last issue. He's finding that they there appear to be more and more, and as he continues to try to hack them, he's finding that they are upgraded more and more as well. 
He helps Noah install a beeping megaphone onto the roof of their place before heading back out. After some more legwork and quite a few more tries at breaking into one of the nanodrones, Bruce finally gets in. He's connected to every feed, and he can see how much that they have invaded the city. Every person, every place, inside and out, is under surveillance. This is way, way, way beyond invasion of privacy. They're... Every single room and area in the world is under surveillance as far as the magistrate is concerned within Gotham. Cobbling together some swimming goggles from Noah and tech from some of the magistrate's cybers that he's taken out, Bruce builds some infrared goggles to help him see the drones better. He sees that they are following Noah's daughter and he follows them too straight to the magistrate office where she apparently works. Bruce can only assume that the magistrate knows everything and he hopes that Noah and his daughter aren't in any danger. But are they? Bruce is rooming with a man who suffers from delusions. Is this all really happening, or has Bruce lost his mind? It wouldn't be the first time, and a lot of the illustrations of his face show him clearly emotionally distressed. We've got one more issue, and I cannot wait to see how this wraps up. Every single page was gorgeous. I could look at this all day. Jared, did you like Dark Detective? I think it was obvious I did. Yes, <laughs> and up until your point, you said that, now damn it, I'm hoping they don't Bob Newhart this thing and have him wake up from a dream or no, something. No, I don't think they're going to yes. Bob Newhart it, but I, I mean, I'm wondering if he is, if he's not just lost his mind. I mean, he's readily helping Noah do all this weird, crazy shit, and he's he's seeing nanobots. These are things you can't see with the naked eye. So nobody else can see him, see them but Batman. And they're everywhere. I mean, it sounds a little like Bug that... Oh, God, don't ever watch that movie. That'll make you paranoid as shit, trust me. But it just... It, <laughs> it just... It, it sounds like <laughs> a very... I mean, could it be the real deal? Absolutely. But could we be looking at a situation where Bruce Wayne has just completely gone ape shit crazy? That is also possible. When he was shot, is it something that got... Spread to him or something. I, I he could just felt, have a bad infection. He just hallucinating. I mean, he went to a back alley surgeon, man. That's possible. I don't know. I Bruce Wayne might be a lot of things, and but he he does have a well disciplined mind, and he's he's got a history of being able to you know use his mental acuity to be able to defend against. People, a regular human being ain't going to be able to because, well, as Josh Lesnar, he's Batman. Exactly. Uh, but this didn't feel like, this is the type of Bruce Batman story that I do like, like Josh said. But I don't feel like the Batman story. This feels like an old detective comic books. This is how this portion of the Batman mythos is supposed to read. I, I, I do yep. agree with that. The magistrate story is getting on my damn nerves. I'm, bo I'm bored. I, I think they could have came up with uh, having one person be peacekeeper. Okay. They're There's just the so many Gotham related titles that, I mean, Reed brought it up. By the time we did the second episode covering Future State, I too was also getting a little bit of magistrate fatigue. They're all every Gotham story is magistrate story. Like I wish you could have done a little bit different, but hey, what do you guys? Maybe you had some stories further into the future, or mm. you know, maybe a little bit earlier. I don't know something that would have staggered it. Would have been better. Bloodhaven. 
Why not have some, somebody? Yeah, that's in true. We could have had Burnside. We could have had Bloodhaven. There's other places that we could have gone. Reed, how did this one land for you? Um, I, I like this storyline. I like Batman. I like him, you know, disarmed and kind of just running around being crazy. Um, I think that adds an interesting layer to that character and kind of makes it okay that he still exists in this world, as it were, um, where he's just kind of operating as his own ghost. I like that. I like the confrontation. So I think I have. I got this theory. I wonder if all right. this all magistrate stuff is the final extension of the ghost maker stuff. If this <sighs> is his final, he's got the ghost net. And oh. It seems very technological. It's very anti-mask, except for the people mm. that are masked. Who knows? Who knows? Um, wow, you've got really interesting things. Because mm-hmm. Peacekeeper 1 has a major, major boner for the anything related to Batman, new or old. We've Ow. seen that in comics established. What if Peacekeeper 1 is... G- Holy shit, Reed. You... Oh my God! Oh. I, yeah, I don't know if he. I don't know if <laughs> one is go. I don't know if that is him because I don't think his ego would allow him to take up like a new name. I mean, it's oh, possible. It is point. possible. Um, but at the same time, it's it's something to think about as in a kind of extension of what maybe what he started and they just took to the extreme. Um, but overall, I think it was a fun story. All right, then time for the last story of the issue and the episode. Written by Matthew Rosenberg with art by Carmine Di Gian Domenico and Antonio Fabella with letters from And World Design. What kind of trouble has Grifter found himself in this time, well, it's not very It's very seldom that Grifter's out of trouble because he's a lovable scamp, that cool cash. Uh, I have to say I'm definitely a fan of the story. I'm a, I'm a fan of Grifter. And this right here is another example of how dialogue could naturally end up happening between these two characters, the, oh, these three characters. Uh-huh. He opens with the Huntress uh, blind to smack down on Grifter because, well, Helena's going to do that. Not 99% of the time, she's knock you out first, shoot you second, right. tie you up third, and then ask questions. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And then regardless of the answer, still most likely he shoots you again with a crossbow. That sounds about Last right. Times, yeah, right? <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's Helena Wayne, Helena Bertinelli, it doesn't matter. Huntress, that's that's her motif. Uh, Fox chimes in trying to, to get out of Gotham. Uh, the smartest thing ever uttered by any Gotham citizen in the history of freaking ever. Yes, get out of Gotham. Go literally anywhere. Detroit is a safer option. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Gotham? I don't know, man. I don't remember. I, I don't remember an army of marching little stuffed penguins going down eight miles. Wait five minutes. Wait five years. Wait for future state Detroit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's where Constantine's at. Uh, he. He hands us card with the untraceable funds, and I just love the fact that everybody's got these debit cards that's untraceable. Nothing's really that untraceable, uh, especially with. Eh, there's cryptocurrencies. It's my, it's there's a also card. minds like Mister Terrific in this world. Oh, that's true. Yeah, a nothing secret, and if the nanobots that Bruce saw is everywhere, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Tim has Grifter as an es- escort, which is a 
a very Luke. good choice because of Colt. Luke. Ah. Luke. Luke. <laughs> oh my God, Reed! I like you so much. Right now, it's not even funny. <laughs> that was awesome. That was perfect, Yoda, bro. <laughs> yes, flawless. I didn't know you did voiceover work. <laughs> Ooh, what you don't know? Many secrets have I. Fox has Grifter as an escort, and I have to say, Cole Cash, making sure I get out of the city. As long as it doesn't have any conflicting interests on him, you know, I, I think it's a safe bet. He's going to get you out, unless it benefits him not to. So make sure that it benefits him to get you out. Uh, that's how I'd end up wanting to get out of Gotham. He, he's, he's a badass. He's a get-the-job-done type guy. Well... As throughout everything in the future state, it's got to do with Gotham. The magistrate goons show up. But Helena at least deals with them in a proper way. No talk, no nothing. She sets up a little decoy, putting her, uh, putting a, well, not her, but a, a fake mask, cowl, cape, whatever on a mannequin. And blows the building to smithereens. Gobble. God bless the Huntress. Efficient. Uh... You have to appreciate the efficiency. Yes. Upon, uh, right upon exit. It's like, bam. Good to go. The, with the Huntress at the wheel or, I guess, at the handlebars since it's on a motorcycle. And Grifter doing the cover fire. Fox is 100% safe on this bike. Uh, you know, you got badass with reflexes steering and a badass with, well, killing. <laughs> uh... Hang out the back doing the suppressing fire. Uh, they get to a safe house. The hunters is a little upset because, hey, you just cost me a building and this is a business. Next thing you know, you see Grifter get shot. Zap. Falls to the ground. In a hilarious manner, Vale comes in. Pissed because Grifter done jacked her money. Uh, I, I, I thought that was classic. Uh, it, it has felt very natural. Very good for both characters. Cole talks his way out of it because Grifter is a smooth talker. Mm-hmm. Hey, we'll get you covered. We'll get that. I got money for this. We do this, that, that. It's like three-card money. Watch the Queen of Hearts. Well, he knows he can't make up to Luke for what he did to him and his family. Fox is playing the Huntress, giving up her locale to the Magistrate. Worrying about securing the Queen of Clubs, the Huntress. It's just a dick move by Fox. Cole has a free plan to be able to get out. He can use Selena's sub. He's got, he's got car, he's got the cash from the cars that he palms and stuff. He could get away, but his conscience is that of a good anti-hero. No, I can't leave her out there to get caught. We got, I got to go back. And he ends up sacrificing himself to protect her. Obviously getting arrested. I want to see more. I want to see them react around each other when it doesn't have the stupid magistrate story. I mean, it's made some, some compelling things, but it itself is getting old. I'll be glad when the future state is past tense. <laughs> uh, on, on some of these, some of these, some yes. of these I want to read more. And some of them are out of the park. But I loved it. It's an odd story as hell. But fascinating and... A little bit more, yeah. Bring it on.
All right, what would you give the whole issue as a final score, Jared? Well, overall, the Dark Detective ended up being a little bit better than the Grifter, which aggravated me because I really love Grifter. <laughs> but I gotta give, it just nudged it. I'm gonna give the Dark Detective number three an eight. Damn, Grifter is so freaking awesome. I love him. Hmm. Out of ten. <laughs> All right, Reed, what did you think about Grifter and everything? Uh yeah, this one this was pretty solid outing. I like the Batman with the beard. Um, I like his new look. I I like the Grifter stuff. Uh, I, the Grifter storyline kind of had like a I don't know how to put like a almost like a Tarantino kind of vibe. It was very not like gritty, but yes, it had the the, the, the pacing and at the end where it was like uh you I, I I'm obviously gonna give myself up because I'm tired of being like the jackass all the time. I'm going to try to finally do some good, like go help people. I don't know. It had just like a very crime-esque kind of tilt and like people and, you know, extraordinary people in like extraordinary uh, situations and just seeing how they react to them. Huntress and Grifter fighting and punching each other, I thought was was really the highlight of this whole book. Overall, um, this is a knockout. This is just what you're looking for. Uh, if you like any of these characters, definitely pick this one up. Uh, 7.5 out of 10. All right. You know, in the in the very beginning of that Grifter book where Huntress and Grifter are talking, and Huntress says, you're either a moron or you have a death wish coal, which is it? And then Grifter thinks in his inner monologue, that dialogue box, to himself, maybe both. And then, like, right immediately after, Luke Fox answers out loud with the exact same thing three pages in and I was like I love the dynamic of these characters seeing Batwing turn heel caught me way off guard but he does try to let Grifter go so maybe there's a little bit of good guy left in him but either way um, I think Batwing would make a very interesting bad guy too so for me it was a crazy story but man it was a damn good one it's so nice to look at Grifter's going to jail I feel like there's all kinds of story left to tell about Grifter and Huntress so I hope this carries over as far as Dark Detective, man, I couldn't stop raving about that one enough. This whole issue was gorgeous. The stories were great. I'm giving this one, you know what? I gave it a 9 out of 10 on the site, but I'm actually going to bump it up to 9.25. Fancy, fancy. And now it's time to pick the top three books of the week and your favorite panel slash moment of the week. Reed, do you want to take us through that one first? Absolutely. All right. Coming in at number three, we've got Superman, Wonder Woman. Just a nice, easy read. I, I, it was such a delight to just have. There wasn't like 300 plot lines. There weren't 40 characters. There was a couple of goats and mules that were on fire. That's that's enough for me. Um, <laughs> number two, I think um, we'll probably go with um the justice league 2 uh the first story with the white martians i was kind of about the justice league dark story was a little bit more compelling um like i said i've said about that i wish it would have more kind of fun business in there as well uh future state stuff but overall i wish it was longer yeah i could (laughs) have used a couple more issues that put that side by side with freaking batman give me give me four of those bees Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then for number one, I, I just really am in love with this Kara Zora L. Like, the look of it, it's so, uh, like, non-traditional. It's very deep space, very, like I said before, saga-esque 
kind of weird space creature stuff. I just love all that. Um, my favorite moment of the week uh, is in Justice League Dark, where Ragman is a dragon and Zatanna is riding him. So that's that's my <sighs> moment. Oh man, I completely forgot about that. I am so jealous of your moment, Reed. That's awesome. <laughs> all right, Jared, where are your top three? I want to start first before my three with an honorable mention. Go ahead. Uh, the Green Lantern season two, number eleven, Morrison. Oh yeah, you got to read it. Good stuff. Oh, it's got one more issue left out of this series, and it's a twelve part. You know what? Story's amazing. Come on, finish strong, boys. Yep. Woo! This is actually oh. it's actually Grant Morrison's last run through with DC. He's going completely independent after this, from what we understand. That's what he says anyway. Oh, the bang. All right. What was your top three? Uh, my top three included at three number Teen Titans number two. All right. Uh, but at number two, I have Robin Eternal. Oh, I love the way they're going at it. I want to see more. Now, number one, I'm gonna have to get a ruling by the humans. I want to take one of the big stories and divide it. <laughs> the the Justice League Dark. Yeah. Okay, like the Justice League all together gave a nine. That's because the Justice League I gave it eight point five, but the Justice League Dark I gave a nine point five. So if I'm able to dissect that one There's precedent. I choose Yep. Hmm? Yeah, there's precedent. There's precedent, there's precedent oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> then I Justice League Dark all the way boom, out of the damn park. Nearly flawless. Constantine will be the nice Cherry on top, but Edgerton, Detective Chimp. Oh, oh my God! I want, I'm gonna pick it up and read it again. Oh, oh, uh, it's magic, you know. That's the joke because it is magic. Way to go. Because um, it's like a magic storyline. Right. Very funny. Very topical. It's it's. <laughs> <laughs> Bazinga. <laughs> And what was your favorite moment, Jared? My favorite moment uh, comes from not really my favorite book, but the when John Stewart puts on the glove and raises the Orion sword. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Semper Fi. <laughs> yeah, Semper Fidelis. But yes, definitely. All right, my top three at the bottom. The number three was really, really hard for me to pick. Um, all of them I wanted to rate. Just about the same with the exception of two. Uh, at the end, I had to drop one issue down only because of the art choices. But uh, number three, after a lot of deliberation, I'm giving that to Teen Titans number two. Number two, I'm going to have to give that to Justice League number two for the same reasons everybody else loved it. Justice League Dark bumped up that slightly better than average story. Actually, better than average story. Not just slightly. Better than average story from the regular new Justice League. Number one, of course, goes to Dark Detective. That shit was just knocked right out of the park. And that's where my favorite moment is in, too. Um, it wasn't something stellar. It wasn't something breathtaking. It was, in Dark Detective, we get a simple shot of Bruce Wayne in his new getup on this building top. And for some reason, I just loved looking at this, man. It's cool, it's detailed, and against the backdrop there, dude, it's almost pretty in a way. I love this page so much. And now it's time for... 
the biggest thinker. Oh, that's nasty. My stink list has a grand total of one on it, and sorry, Reed. It's Superwoman Kara Snorel. Uh, art like a trapper keeper. Sorry. Oh, Lisa Frank. Yeah, I get that. You're right, man. <laughs> Hell yeah. Dude, I'm telling you, I'm thinking something you get specific. I Give love it. Give me a Technicolor Dolphin any day, baby. <laughs> uh, Well, for me, I think um, the stinky was one. I don't know. None of them were particularly stinky, but if I have to pick, I guess I'll pick Robin Eternal. Just wasn't feeling that one. Yeah, I mean, you're, as when you're not a Robin fan, that one isn't exactly investing for you. Yeah, I, honestly, I don't think any of these are real stinkers. I mean, they're just like, like that's just the most metest one. So that's yeah, the, yeah. And honestly, I was I was going to put Kara Zor-El Superwoman on my stink list because those action scenes bugged me so much. I want to change my rating on that. It doesn't really deserve it. The the action scenes brought it down, but the rest of the story is still pretty good. So I'm gonna take that back up to a seven. But my I'm for my stink list this week, it's just it's gonna go to the John Stewart story. I'm not a big fan of that kind of story and that kind of art just it really reminded me and of call me wrong, but I mean, didn't it remind you of like wrong. the kind of art that you saw on the Bazooka Joe Bubblegum? Um, oh no! I mean, it just—I don't know. It looked so <laughs> crude to me, and I just—I just, I, I mean, looking back while we were doing the review, I just, yeah, I, I disliked it even more this time. So it, yeah, it, reminded, it reminds me of is like hand published, like, like hand, hand by copied, like versions of someone's like. For sure, just, I think I think they're going for a specific like stylistic choice, but like I don't get why they did. I'm not sure either, man, and that's why it made my stink list this time. Stinks ahoy! And that's the show. Come back and listen next week when we will be talking about Future State, the next Batman number four, and the next issues of Nightwing, Immortal Wonder Woman, Superman Worlds at War, Catwoman, and Shazam. And with those issues, we will only have one more week of Future State before we dive into Infinite Frontier. As always, you amazing humans out there, thank you so very much for listening. You're the reason why we do this. Visit campsite.bio forward slash not a robot to hear all of our episodes on nearly any podcast platform and patreon.com forward slash not a robot podcast for the exclusive content that we make for our patrons from all of our offerings. Kids Corner, Real Talk, Movies, TV, and more. Again, starting at just $1 a month. Visit notarobotpodcast.com and that will take you everywhere you need to go for everything not a robot. And with that, there's only one way we say goodbye around here. Until next time. Be good to each other. And don't be a robot.
Let's go.